You ready? Y'all ready for this? When is that coming out? What? What's coming out? The remake, the relaunch, the whatever of Space Jam. That that came out a while ago. It's out already? Yeah, yeah that came out like two years ago at least. Really? Uh-huh. No. Yeah. Here, I'll look it up for you. No. No, not 2001 film. <clears throat> 2021. It came out in July. Yeah. Sorry, it just felt like two years ago. It was actually three months. But it's already out. Two years ago? <laughs> you think this mess came out pre-COVID? <laughs> what on earth? COVID. Sorry. Yeah. It came out three months ago. Yeah, I don't know. My sense of time is off, apparently. What have we been married for? Like 25 years? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> To Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and today we are discussing chapter two of The Last Battle. This chapter is called The Rashness of the King. I am a dryad of a beech tree, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. I'm a water rat. Would you like some logs? Sure. I'll take some logs. Okay. Will they fit in the apartment? Probably. All right, cool. Also known as Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi. So I'm a calamine then, because you're trying to sell me something. I suppose so. All right, well. Um, I mean, you you said you were, a, you were a beach dryad, so I'm just trying to sell you back the... The logs book. that you stole from me? Yes. Yeah. That you murdered me for? Yes. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty morbid. Monster. I know. Jeez. Anyway, how are you, Kristen? This, I, I don't know how, like, this book's going to be bad for my mental health, I think. <laughs> like, diving into it and discussing it and reading it at a slow pace. Like, yeah. I read the, the, the chapter for this one and immediately read half of the next chapter because I needed, like, like, like I just needed to get through this book. Uh-huh. And I was like, I shouldn't do this because I have a hard time not bringing stuff up in discussion if yeah. I'm read ahead, but, like... My my heart needed to keep reading. Yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a lot. It's a it, lot. It is. It mm. really is but a lot. But this is the last book. We're gonna we're gonna finish this whole thing out. Yep. Maybe we should have done this earlier and then done uh, Magician's Nephew as our last book. Yeah, I don't know. Except no matter what series order we do, this is the last book. Yeah. Well. In publishing and chronology. Yep. So, Kristen, how do we start this podcast? First, we usually banter. Did we, did, did we satisfy our conditions of bantering? No. Okay. We have not bantered, other than you talking about, like, cutting down trees and then trying to sell them to a tree. Yeah. If that's banter. Shoot me some bants. Some, some fat bants. Uh-huh. I, got, I got some sick bants for you, man. You do. Yeah. Um... So let's go ahead and read our summaries then. <laughs> as sure. you and I read through the chapters, we pick out five sentences, as you know. Yeah. Um, and listeners, as you hopefully know, because whatever. I really wanted to do six for this one, by the way. Five sentence summary. <clears throat> Would you like to read yours first, or shall I? Sure, I'll read mine first. 
It is more than a week ago that the first birds came flying over us, saying, Aslan is here. Aslan has come to Narnia again. The stars say nothing of the coming of Aslan, nor of peace, nor of joy. What, lady? Felling lantern waste, murdering the talking trees, cried the king, leaping to his feet and drawing his sword. Right through the middle of that ancient forest, that forest where the trees of gold and of silver had once grown, and where a child from our world had once planted a tree of protection, a broad lane had already been opened. Whoa. When Tyrion knew that the horse was one of his own Narnians, there came over him and over Jules such a rage that they did not know what they were doing. There we go. All right. And I will go ahead and read my, my summary. summary. Go ahead. You ready? Go ahead. I drink first to Aslan and truth, sire, and secondly to your majesty. If Aslan were really coming to Narnia, the sky would be assembled in his honor. Great trees are falling, falling, falling. When Tyrion knew that the horse was one of his own Narnians, there came over him and over, over Jewel, and over Jewel such a rage that they did not know what they were doing. But much evil came from their rashness in the end. Well, well. I feel like you went in reverse order there. You, uh, I think the evil causing rashness line comes before the. Uh, it does, and we've and I've done that many times. Fascinating. I've done that many times ah. in my summaries where I did a, like my four or five sentences are out of order of actual writing. Yeah, they don't need to be in order. They communicate the goal. Okay. Uh, we had one sentence in common there about yes. the rashness, but uh, covered different stuff, but I guess followed the same themes. I really, I don't know, I was trying really hard to include a sentence about the the horse being enslaved, because I think that's kind of a key point here. Yeah. But I was, I don't know, I struggled because I also wanted to add in all this other stuff about the signs and Aslan coming back and et cetera, et cetera. So it was, uh, it was difficult, but this is a, this is a heavy chapter. So let's, let's get into it here. So we start with the last of the kings of Narnia. Yes, we do. King Tyrion. Indeed. We don't know how far removed he is from any of the kings that we're familiar with. We don't know the timeline still of yeah, this book. Yeah, no, there's no info so far about the timeline. Yeah. Except that however long unicorns live, <laughs> this unicorn Sweet. jewel would not have seen Aslan in his previous visits. Uh, apparently not. But we do have this uh, description of the king. He's Tyrion. He's between 20 and 25 years old. I'd also like to point out that this is like the most detailed physical description of any given character that we've ever received is it? from Lewis. Okay. We know what color his eyes are. Yeah, I feel like we've gotten that before. No. No? We have not. Okay. We've gotten the color of Aslan's eyes and maybe Ramondu's daughters. I mean, really, and looked like Hamlet. Yeah, but that, <laughs> like that's... That's the other thing. Like, we've had no... Like, we knew Rillian's hair color. Yeah. We don't know what any of the Pevensies look like. Yeah, I mean, we... we don't, we've had no physical descriptions of any of the characters until King Trinian here in Book 7. Yeah, we have some kind of terrible book art of the Pevensies, so we kind of, yeah, can... Yes, they look like Russian children wrapped up in their little... <laughs> Uh, anyway, Tyrion's between 20 and 25 years old. Uh, his shoulders yes. are already broad and As strong. the author, he's somewhere between 20 and 25 yeah. years old. We're really, I'm not sure. I just created him. 
says the person who like only has a vague range for her own age and he doesn't know how old she actually is that's true i don't know how old i am but you know you're between 30 and 35 i do know that i do know that i can i can tell you that um somewhere in there but when you're writing a character, you get to just decide things. And this is, like, the most indecisive, like, I'm describing him as being somewhere in that age range. Yeah. Like, here, here, wrap your head around this physical description. He's somewhere in his early 20s. He's somewhere there. Uh, his shoulders are already broad and strong and his limbs full of hard muscle, but his beard was still scanty. I feel that pain. Anyway. <laughs> I blue eyes and a fearless, honest face. Uh, and he's also there with his companion, who is a new critter that we've never had in a book before. It's a unicorn. It might be, in fact, the unicorn on the cover of your book, It maybe. could very well be. This could be Jewel. He's just there. I mean, yeah. he's some sort of important character. Well, I won't say some sort of important character, because on the previous book, there was a snake, and she had, at least, uh, like, half a chapter of plot. So. Yeah. <clears throat> who knows? Who knows? But you have Jewel. Uh, Jewel the Unicorn. Is this is this one of the living gems from uh, from Gnomeland? Interesting from from Bism. From Bism. Interesting idea. <laughs> Not sure. That's that's what I thought of. That like... said, though. Uh huh. When reading, I struggled with the word unicorn. Uh huh. And I read the word unicorn, but my brain understood centaur. So when the other centaur arrived, I was like, cool, so there's two centaurs here. Why is this such a distinctly different physical description of the two of them? Uh-huh. Jewel also has a blue horn. Blue horn, yeah, which... Uh, which is not one of your artwork Not in the shows. Yep, she has a white... Maybe this is an entirely different unicorn. There's Possibly. multiple ones. There might be. Um, but this is Jewel polishing his blue horn on his flanks how does how does one do that i don't know yeah anyway i don't know how unicorns work um might be a sapphire though it's got a big blue horn maybe who knows who knows might are you know unicorns arguably are a much more uh a much less mythical sounding creature than giraffes are (laughs) I've, i've read this tumblr post yes um Anyway, narwhals are a thing. Yeah. Like, swimming unicorns can be a thing. Real unicorns. No. No, not so much. No. Anyway. We just call them rhinoceroses. Yeah. I I have heard speculation that unicorns or something like them was an actual real creature thousands of years ago that went extinct before, like, recorded history. Hmm. That's where the legends come from. I've also heard speculation that it was just rhinoceroses being described (laughs) to people and they, they... pictured what they knew which was a horse it's like a really fat horse yep um anyway so we open up with speculation because all these creatures have come and said oh hey aslan's come back yeah and it's interesting because trinian says you know oh the birds say they saw him the squirrels reported of him but didn't see him and then the this other critter saw that saw aslan i like he's he's also like he's he's holding on to the um he's reflecting with jewel on all these reports of aslan showing up but also like Here's the integrity of each of these reports. The, the squirrels yeah. said 
that there was that Aslan's back, but yeah. but they but they didn't see him, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. So he also says these are the most wonderful tidings ever heard in our days, or our fathers, or our grandfathers' days. Yes. So it's obviously it's obviously been a while since Aslan showed up. Seems that like way. Like it's been, you know, probably over a hundred years since anybody's seen Aslan. So this is like really exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> um, but everybody's talking about it. Even one merchant from Kellerman who doesn't even care for Aslan, but he still said he's there. Uh, there was a badger, and we know how honest badgers are. Uh, and they discuss how delightful this news is. But then they're interrupted by the arrival of another unicorn. <laughs> no, it's a centaur. <laughs> oh, it's a centaur. Um, a great golden bearded centaur. I do think that it's interesting, like, before before Runewit arrives, Jewel says, uh, I believe it all. If I seem not to, it's only that my joy is too great to let my belief settle itself. It is almost too beautiful to believe. Wow. I found that statement interesting because, I don't know, I, like, there's obviously something in there stopping them from engaging with the idea that Aslan's actually here. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, and and the lot like, when, when we had, for example, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh-huh. Aslan's returning, everyone was saying, Aslan's on the move, Aslan's on the move. Uh-huh. And it's just, I don't know, it's interesting because everyone, like, that sparked joy in everybody. And we have this this kind of joy not being able to settle itself. Yeah. So, I don't know. But yes, then, then they hear hooves. Mm-hmm. A galloping horse, a very heavy horse. It must be one of the centaurs. And look, there he is. Oh, hey, look, there he is. Uh, and he... Comes up and immediately shotguns a bowl of wine. Yes. <laughs> the king calls for a bowl of wine for him, establishing that there are, in fact, other people present. Yep. There's a page inside the house There's who at least brings a page. out a great wooden bowl curiously carved mm-hmm. and hands it to the centaur. We have no further description of that. I'm a curious bowl, bowl carver. I, I carve curious bowls. That's my character. Uh-huh. That's like the profession of one of those people on the house hunting shows that have like an absurd budget for their homes. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I'm a curious bowl carver, and this is my husband. Uh, he uh, he creates wine shotguns, and uh, we have a budget of two point two million dollars. <laughs> yep, one of those. Um, but anyway, we're just jealous. Uh, <laughs> So the centaur shotguns the bowl of wine and immediately is just like, look, look, king. Hey, it ain't Aslan. Like, I've been watching the stars. I've been alive longer than both of you. Like, especially longer than men, but also centaurs apparently live longer than unicorns. Yep. I'm not sure what the hierarchy is. Like, I know how long people live. But apparently unicorns live longer than humans based on the fact that he needed to specify that as well. And centaurs live longer than unicorns. Yep. Cool. Yep. We don't have numbers to put on any of these things, but... You know, they're long levers. Yep. Unlike unlike humans. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he comes up and is just like, nope, I've been watching the stars since before you were born. Like, I know these things. Nothing's in the stars, says Adslan's coming back. You shouldn't believe these rumors. It's a lie. The stars would be doing something interesting. Uh, so basically, don't don't fall for it. Yeah. Uh, and the, the king is way too taken back with excitement to... You know, listen to this warning. Mm-hmm. 
and just being like, oh no, well, you know, in the legends it always says he's not a tame lion, so does he have to do what what the stars ordain? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's going to show up anyway, regardless of what the stars are doing. Yes, and and they kind of say, well, if the stars. The star, he's not subject to the stars. Mm-hmm. But what the unicorn is sitting there trying to say is the stars are subject to Aslan, and if Aslan was here, the stars would have assembled. Yeah. In the same way that the critters are trying to assemble. Yeah. Like, they're missing the point here, is that the stars have not reported to salute Aslan. Correct. In his presence. Like, and it's it's frustrating to me... That, like, they're so obvious. They're like, no, he's not a tame lion, and he's not subject to the stars. And it's like, Runewit's whole point is that the stars are subject to Aslan, and that the stars would have assembled yeah. for, for Aslan. Also, he says that there have been disastrous conjunctions of the planets and the stars. He says, I know by my art that there have not been such disastrous conjunctions of the planets for 500 years. Been a while. So... I don't know. I don't know how disastrous of a conjunction it was when Caspian ran away from Miraz, but there was a conjunction at that point, and that's the only other like planetary conjunction we've heard about. It's true. And so, I mean, we could assume that it's that many years at least since then, but this gives us some concept of an idea to be something around, I don't know. Uh-huh. But with that said, like this is a time where the sky is reporting terrible things. Yes. Not peace. Uh-huh. Not Aslan. Not joy. He says, the stars say nothing of the coming of Aslan, nor of peace, nor of joy. Uh-huh. Like, it's disaster mm-hmm. that the stars are reporting. Yeah. And they're interrupted in the middle of this discussion where Rin- uh, Runewood is trying so hard to convince them that the stars never lie, but men and beasts do. Mm-hmm. This is also a, I mean, this is also a very one-one again allegory for uh, kind of talk about the second coming of Jesus because Aslan's Jesus. I don't know if we established that yet or not, but this is very That's weird. Yeah, this is very kind of hand in hand with apocalyptic literature in the Bible. Uh, as, you know, there are passages that I didn't bother to look up that say things like, you know, in the last days, everybody is going to be running to and fro being like, oh, Jesus is back, Jesus is back, seeing, you know, mm-hmm. seeing, seeing his coming everywhere and don't be deceived by the false prophets. And, you know, Jesus at some point says something like, oh, don't look around you for signs, look to the skies because I'm coming back the same way I left. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is the centaur coming in and being like, no, the sign is in the sky. Look up. This isn't Jesus yet. Yeah. So it's a very, you know, uh, well, not heavy-handed, very direct metaphor, though. Yeah. For this apocalyptic uh, imagery. Yeah. And we have, uh, on two separate occasions here, Runewit saying, the stars never lie, but men and beasts do. And then a moment later, but I know there are liars on earth. There are none among the stars. Uh-huh. Like, he's making this point very intently. Have you met Karayakin? Because he got exiled for some reason. We don't uh, know. We he, don't know. He, he did something wrong. <laughs> so, anyway. So, um, well, maybe, he's not among the stars anymore. Maybe he failed to show not. up. 
Aslan arrived and he was just like, nah, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Very disrespectful. Anyway. I, I had an, I had a tea appointment with Ramondu and he stood <laughs> me up for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they get interrupted. So th- yes. this is a this is an interruption within an interruption. Yes. <laughs> so we have Tyrion and Jewel just enjoying a little day at the hunting shack. Yeah. Chatting about this Aslan rumor, and then interruption, Runewood arrives. Yeah. This is not true. You must not believe this uh, interruption. Runewood had just raised his hand and was leaning forward to say something very earnestly to the king when all three of them turned their heads to listen to a wailing sound that was quickly drawing nearer. The wood was so thick to the west of them that they could not see the newcomer yet, but they could soon hear the words, Woe, 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 called the voice. Woe for my brothers and sisters. Woe for the holy trees. Uh, So it's a dryad coming out of the woods, and she... She was like a woman, but so tall that her head was on level with the centaurs. Yet she was like a tree, too. It's hard to explain if you've never seen a dryad. Um, but quite m- unmistakable once you have. Just just in case. I, I assume you've seen a dryad, so you understand. But um, something different in the color, the voice, and the hair. Yeah. It's unmistakable. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think I would know if I saw one. Okay. Well, <laughs> sometimes, it, you know, it's just a little uncanny. A little uh-huh. uncanny valley there between the dryad and the normal human woman. Yeah. Or tree, maybe. It is. Um, but she was the nymph of a beech tree. Yeah, she's a beech girl. Not to be confused with the birch girls. Correct. Yeah. Um, and comes forward and is telling this uh, woeful tale of how... She cries for justice first. Yeah. Like, she, she screams about woe, but she cries justice, Lord King. And how up in the lantern waste they're killing her uh, brothers and sisters. Forty There's... great trunks yeah. have already... Are already on the ground. Somebody's somebody's cutting down trees, uh, killing the dryads and the the tree spirits, uh, and then she gets interrupted. Third interruption happens. Yep. Ah! Uh, and she cries out as if suffering under repeated blows, and then falls, and just falls down dead because Ooh. apparently somebody had cut her tree away. And this yep. is like a really like. This is a disturbing scene. It is a very disturbing <laughs> scene. It also brings back to memory the building of the Dawn Treader and our questions about where that wood came from. Yeah. Well, we can assume just like there's talking animals and non-talking animals in Narnia, there's probably dryad trees and non-dryad trees. Yeah. Like, they, they use a lot of wood for stuff, so it, one can assume. Totally. Given, I mean, given how offended Tyrion is by somebody cutting down the, dry, the dryads, like, it would seem that they have a rule against this. Yeah. So, but yeah, like really, really disturbing scene here where she is, she is murdered in front of them. Yep. Comes and just falls down dead. And, you know, we get through the pantomime of somebody, uh, hacking away at her roots and then her falling over. Yeah. So that's really intense scene. Uh, and then, but then everybody springs into action and Tyrion's just like, yeah, can't have this conversation anymore. We need to go out there right away. We don't know who it is or how many people they are or what they're doing, but it makes sense for just the two of us to go. Don't um, even bring the page. Yeah, don't even bring the page. <laughs> you know, we do have that. we do have Rune Wit being a voice of reason here, saying, "Be wary, even in your just wrath. Your wrath is just, uh-huh. but 
Strange things are afoot. What if there's an army? The three of us are too few to meet them. Yeah. And so in response to that, the king says, well, just the two of us will go. Then you can go get help from Care Paravel. Doesn't send the page. No, doesn't send the page. Seems like that's part of his job description. It would, would, would seem that way. However... Runewood is probably much faster on his feet than probably. the page would be in whatever method of transport he could do. Yeah. Accurate. Um, so he sends uh, Runewood off to gather a force from Carperavel, who wants he, he wants a score of men-at-arms, uh, some talking dogs, which is another creature we've not encountered in the books before. We yep. have not had a single talking dog yep. show up. Uh, ten dwarfs, apparently. Let them, let them all be fell archers. Yep. Obvi. Yeah, don't, don't get the other dwarves. Uh, and a leopard or so. Or so. If, if, if there's multiple leopards, sure. Yep. But at least one. We need yep. at least one leopard. To at least one leopard. Uh, and Stonefoot the giant. We have like, another giant. Yeah, every everybody else is, is just like, you know, get whoever's available but Stonefoot. This giant. This one specifically. Make sure, make sure Stonefoot's here. Make sure he's here. Um, get all of them together and then show up whenever you can, you know, a week from now. Um <laughs> Yeah. Because, I don't know, do we have on the map how far away the hunting lodge is from Caraparavel? Well, it's in Lantern Waste. Uh-huh. Which we've established is like a day's journey from the How, I feel like, at least. Because when they went with the beavers, they met the beavers, they spent the night at the beavers' dam, and they were able to get from Lantern Waste to the beaver dam in less than, like, half a day. Mm-hmm. But then they had to stay... They had to run from their house in the middle of the night and sleep somewhere and then get to Aslan's Howe the next day. Yeah. And Aslan's Howe, as we know from the journey of the kids in Prince Caspian, is like a at least two-night travel by foot from Care Paravel to Aslan's Howe through the woods. Uh-huh. Um, using the river as long as they could. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I mean, realistically, yeah, probably two weeks before they could have an army present there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's probably better roads at this point than there was during the Prince Caspian time frame because there's they were bridges. just... Well, yeah. Because <laughs> they were just hacking their way through the woods wandering. Yeah. Versus... Yeah. So, yeah, it's still going to be a long time, and the king and jeweler are just going to run off and uh, see what happens. Uh, almost like it's a rash decision by the king. Yeah, it well. would be really, really weird if the chapter was titled appropriately to tell us what was going to happen. Crazy. You know. That's not very common. <laughs> um, Plot spoiler. Anyway, so they run off. They soon reach the river, uh, and they're heading up the river, still trying to find where this uh, disaster is taking place, and they notice a raft coming down the river. Yes, with yes. a water rat. With a water rat. Uh, he shows up. He's got a little pole. He's taking him down. They call out to him, and the water rat's just like, yep, taking these down to Callerman, selling off the trees. Aslan's orders, that's what he wants. Like, keeps on going, like, doesn't even acknowledge it's the king. He's just like, tip my ear to you. Yeah. And, uh, Though <laughs> he's going at the speed of the river, it's not like he has a no. lot of control over that while he's just riding a raft down. Yeah. Uh, so, we're, so we're taking these down. So we, we start to put together a picture here. Um, and I know that we don't, we're not doing baseless speculation anymore because I've come up with such a better segment to end the podcast with. Yeah. But, (laughs) but what do we, I mean, what do we think 
Schiff's game is here because like this is apparently the first major thing he's doing like he's had puzzle out there pretending to be aslan and the first thing he's trying to do is cut down a bunch of trees and sell wood to callerman well this is it said two three weeks what did the first uh cha- uh three weeks about three weeks after making the coat for shift yeah we have yes he's trying to trade with Callerman. So there's obviously something in Callerman that they have that he wants. Uh-huh. Maybe it's more bananas and oranges. Maybe it's something else. Something. But also, I, I, I don't know if this is a plot hole, but we established in this chapter that there is currently a peace between Callerman and uh, Narnia. Yes. And they have a trade relationship, and it's not unusual for traders to be there. So it's if not unusual. A... Sorry. So if, if they already have a trade relationship... Why isn't Narnia already selling wood of the non-enchanted dryad variety to Callerman? Don't know. Because, like, it seems like, you know, they got well, trees. Even if they do, <laughs> Shift lives way out far away from everybody else, so he wouldn't benefit as much from that trade relationship. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Is, is, is he offering a better price here? Like, why are the Callerman interested in trading with him versus, like, the established, uh... Because it's Aslan, yo. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just curious as to as to what this trade relationship looks like. Yeah. And, you know, why does Callerman need wood so much? What are they doing with it? Don't um, know. Anywho, all these questions that we have yet to answer. Indeed. But the rat floats on by, the the king and Jewel keep on moving along, and eventually they come to this clearing in the Lantern Waste, and they see the destruction and the swath carved through the wood. And there are a lot of people there. And he seems surprised that there's not... That it's uh, probably over half people and not talking beasts. Yeah. Uh, all color means. And they're all color means. Yep. And they're up here. They're cutting down trees. And they're driving a horse harnessed to a log. Yep. And the horse isn't having a good time. They're yelling at it. Yes, they are. They're um, They're beating the horse with a whip. Yep insulting it being like pull you lazy pig and like Tyrion's already upset well then, and Tyrion's taking it for granted that this is a dumb Calermine horse yeah. and not a talking Narnian horse yes. so he's still upset about the trees first and foremost yeah. but then he hears the horse talk yeah and he loses it yep as a talking horse and he's just like nope going into a rage like he is the barbarian here he's the barbarian king gotta go into a rage yep uh, and charges, takes a sword out, charges forward, and him and Jewel immediately kill two Calermans. Yep. They just it's, uh, murder them. Seems like it's bad for the peace here. Yep. Um, and that's the note we end the chapter on. They just charge forward and murder two guys, and that's where we stop. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, yeah. I told you I went into the next chapter, uh-huh. so I thought the next sentence was the end of the chapter. But yeah, no, so that's where the chapter ends. Correct. Um, there was a sentence in the description of, that in your summary, that I wanted to get to once we're done going over plot stuff. Uh-huh. So if we're, that's where the chapter yeah, ends so. on that note is just Jewel and the king just came down and killed these two guys. Yep. Knowing full well that there's a lot more guys around. Yeah. You know, anyway. Um, but don't worry, there's an army about a week out that's going to get there. Yeah, um. <laughs> at least. At least a week out. All right, so 
In your summary, you used uh, the sentence right through the middle of that ancient forest, that forest where the trees of gold and of silver had, had grown once, and where a child from our world had once planted the tree of protection. A broad lane had already been opened. I think that it's interesting that this spot mm-hmm. has been such an important point. Mm-hmm. Like, Lantern Waste is like Jerusalem. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. It just seems like such a a distinct, or it's Mesopotamia or something. Like, it's such this distinctly specific spot. Yeah. Because we have, this is where um, Uncle Andrew. Yeah was shaken upside down and the gold and silver fell out of his pockets and grew into trees. Like this mm-hmm. is where this is where Diggory planted the tree with the apple that he took from, you yeah. know, and pl- and protected Narnia in its infancy. Mm-hmm. This is where the um Pevensies first arrived in Narnia. Yeah. Was here in this wood. And here we have just this destruction going through specifically that same point in space on in Narnia. I think yeah. it's just, I don't know, it's a very specific place. Well, this is effectively where Aslan began the creation of Narnia itself. Yeah. And so it's, you know, this is a bookend point of like, you know, if, if this is about the end times of Narnia, who knows? I don't know anything. <laughs> it's going to happen. But if that's the direction we're going then it's kind of a bookended thing of being like, well, it's going to, the end starts in the same place it began. Mm-hmm. I so. just find it interesting mm-hmm. that the Narnian royalty would have chosen to build like their castle and domain out at Caraparavel rather than here in this like obviously very significant point when it comes to Aslan. Yeah, well, having ocean access is important, you know. Yeah. So. Don't but know. that was obviously done before the Pevensies ever got there. That yeah. like Care Paravel was the place where they were established as kings and queens of yes. Narnia. Yeah, way off there. I don't know if that was King Frank's castle or not, but do not know. Um. So anyway, anything else we want to discuss in the chapter that happened? I mean, it's some heavy stuff. Uh, like it's still still getting pretty dark here. Jules Jules gold chain is dangling and jingling. Just a faint jingle mm-hmm. of the rich gold chain that hung around the unicorn's neck, which, which, which does match your description yeah. on yeah. your yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Yes. I I don't know. It's just I feel like there are some things where Lewis was like, "All right, I need to get better at my descriptions. I'm actually going to describe this king." Mm-hmm. I'm also getting better at my descriptions. I'm going to describe how they crossed the river and the water was up to Tyrion's armpits. Yeah. And Don't worry. Jewel, Jewel, who's much more stable with his four legs, was able to walk up current from Tyrion so that he could stabilize himself as they crossed the river. And don't worry... His shoulders were still dry enough that he could dry his sword on his shoulders. Yeah, well, it's a combat. Don't forget. Once he got out of the- Don't forget to wipe your sword. Yes, he doesn't a- forget to wipe his sword. He's caring for his sword, which he is about to go use to murder somebody. Uh huh. Like, yeah. I mean, the the chapter is called "The Rashness of the King," and you the line you talked about was, "Oh, a great evil is going to result from what? What's the what's the one?" 
but much evil came of their rashness yeah. in the end. Much evil came of their rashness. But, I mean, encountering this situation where, like, basically the Calarmane are, are cutting down and murdering these trees and enslaving the talking beasts and whatnot. Like, it's what? a perfectly, like, logical, like, human reaction yeah. to immediately dive in. However, there's 30 dudes there, and there's two, like, there's two people coming to the defense of... All of these, you know, animals and hor- like yeah. trees and hor- like the trees obviously can't defend themselves. Yeah. So what's the what's this the talking horse obviously hasn't been able to defend himself, and the water rat obviously <laughs> thinks Aslan has told him to sell the trees. Yeah. So the water rat thinks that this is what he's supposed to be doing. So like it, everyone is either manipulated or weak and can't help. So what's the appropriate reaction here? To what, what? get help. Yeah. Like. Also, if there is a piece with Calarmine, to approach and question what is going on. Yeah. And say, like, these are these are lands of, of living Narnian subjects. Like, this Ugh. is in violation of our peaceful treaty. Yeah. So, the rashness of the king might have some dark consequences later on. Um, all right. Any... Any other imagery or anything we want to discuss here? I think we're we're pretty good. I I mean like I think it's very important like that we you know I know we're joking about him drawing his sword, but he's very obviously going prepared for battle. He's got his sword and he's caring for his sword to keep his weapon ready. Uh-huh. He grabs his sword. He almost grabs his sword earlier when he's challenged by Runewit about that this isn't you know that he shouldn't believe that there are liars among men and he reached for his sword he's very sword happy yeah and so he is being demonstrated to be very reactive and explosive yeah you know as all those narnian kings are all of them who (laughs) are not yet beardly i don't know (laughs) with the beard comes wisdom yeah totally Anyway, um, would you like to go ahead and move on to our next segment then if we're done sure. discussing it? And we'll see what happens next chapter. Uh, what do we do in our next segment, Kristen? Our next segment is our rewrites. So as you and I are reading through the chapter, we each select five sentences to read, you know, to tell the plot of the story. We also choose five sentences to create a new story. And so yes. we will try to rewrite this chapter into a new story but you know without changing any of the words cool like how we always over explain this um since i read my summary first would you like to read your rewrite first sure okay all right here it is all right jewel he said what lies before us it is a raft said king trinian indeed sire answered jewel i believe it all But I know there are liars on earth. There are none among the stars. We have lived too long. Ooh, okay. Okay. uh, I like that. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I... For me, it very much brought up this kind of, like, raft on the River Styx imagery. Like, for me, personally, that's where I went with it. Interesting. 
I, I came up with something not entirely dissimilar. Okay. So we might have to discuss that. But yeah, I, I, I like your little space. I don't know. I was picturing like a little, some sort of like mystical. Space river. Space river yes, journey. Yes, me too. So. Oh, I like that one. Yep. <clears throat> Thanks. So here's mine uh, that I went a slightly different direction with. What is it? Asked the king. On the front of the raft, there was a water rat with a pole to steer it. And the king's face turned white when he saw it. He finished the wine, enough for six strong men, at one draft and handed the empty bowl back to the page. It cannot be. So we both (laughs) were really struck by this river imagery, weren't we? Uh Uh-huh. Fascinating. So this... This was my take on the king seeing the the rat on the raft as some sort of a dark omen. Yeah. Which, so. I mean, <clears throat> it is in the story. Uh-huh. But it's very, it's it can be interpreted very differently because he's like, nope, cheerful little rat doing my job because Aslan told me. Yeah. So, yeah. But we both saw some sort of darkness there in the rat. Uh, specifically in the raft for me. Yeah. But, yeah. But also, this is a this is a water based job that a uh, that a marshmallow <laughs> is not doing. Yep. So I don't know how to feel about that. I mean, why are they called water rats? <laughs> Where are the wiggles? Where are the wiggles? Indeed. <laughs> All right. Um, so finished with that. Should we move on to our last segment here? Sure. You have so, too many things written down, though. You only need sixteen. Yes. So. And we've already had one first. Like, well, okay. I'm here. looking at your paper over there. Uh, well, hey, look, there's more stuff. But uh, <laughs> listen. So to inter- intro this segment, uh, previously for the past couple books, I've been doing a segment called Baseless Speculation, where we, uh, since I haven't read these books before. I just take the information in the chapter and basically speculate what's going to happen next. It's really important to tell people now that you're not doing it. Now that I'm not doing it. If somebody missed the previous episode and are really confused about my not doing baseless speculation, that's it. Whatever. Anyway, so I came up with this new you segment. You could just say, I've stopped doing baseless speculation. I came up with this new segment <laughs> for the last battle, uh, which I'm cleverly calling something like the final battle. And we're basically... Conflict. Uh, the final, final conflict. conflict. It's the final conflict. Just have to instinct music for this. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Thank you for providing the ambiance. <laughs> um, so what we're doing is we're doing a bracketed uh, knockdown drag out fight to the death to determine who is the ultimate champion of Narnia. And we're using characters pulled from all six of the previous books prior to this one. Uh, and to make things more interesting, we're not including Aslan or Jadis. Yep. Um, so we can have a more fair fight. And last week was kind of a pilot for this, for this segment that we're going to kind of scrap and we're going to start over with. Okay. Um, and we'll figure out a way to, to make up our other game that we, our other match that we need to at some point in there, because I believe there needs to be 16 and we only have 15 chapters left. So we'll figure that out. However, we're moving on from the the pilot, and I have a new a new way to put this together. All right. So I have a list of twenty four characters taken from all the previous Narnia books. Okay. Uh, that I think could make up some interesting matchups, uh, and I'm going to use a random number generator to randomly select two of these. Okay. To go into our first bracket, and then we'll go down the list from there. All right. So these are just twenty four random characters are, you've chosen because yes. they were the ones you could think of at the time, or 
basically, well, I, I included all the main characters from all the books, plus a few other wild card ones that I thought would be fun. Okay. So. Karayakin? Uh, no, because I think Karayakin's too powerful. I, 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 I tried not to include any obvious magic users in here as well, because I feel like that's just too much. Okay. Um, so anyway, I have 24 of these, so we're going to roll a random number generator to randomly select two of them, and then, in order to f further, like, really randomize the results, because last time we had a question of the environment that they're fighting in, I have a list of 10 different environments that we're also going to roll randomly on, and okay. we're going to put them into a random arena. Okay. So. I have a random number generator open. Okay, you need a 1 through 24. Okay. All right, just do it. No, no. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead and do your random number generator for your uh, to 24, and I'll do the the uh, 10. Okay. So. <laughs> so our first roll in our first match, official matchup here is number 18, which is Trumpkin. Okay. Then we're going to generate another one. Then we're going to go to number 8, which is Lucy. Trumpkin versus Lucy. Trumpkin versus Lucy. And, and roll a D10. the environment is number 10. Number 10. Uh, the sweet waters of the east. Interesting. So <laughs> we're going to go into the sweet waters where the mer creatures live. For the so we've established that Lucy and Trumpkin both are poor swimmers. Yes. So we have they're at an equally disadvantaged. Yes. We've established that Lucy is... What is she? She's not. She's not a better archer than him. He's a really good archer. He can hold his own against Susan. Yeah, Susan's probably better than he Susan's is. Susan's better than he is, but yes. we've established that he's a better archer probably than Lucy, based on the fact that he's good enough to compete against Susan. Yes. Um. So, um, but. Is this what frame? What time frame is this, Lucy? Because if this is Lucy riding to the aid of the Arkenlanders to war, basically with Edmund. Well, I was thinking while time. Peter's at war with the giants, because that that Lucy could abs could probably destroy Trumpkin in a in a fair fight, uh, and she could swim at that point too. Yeah, I was thinking timeline-wise, like, this is Don Treader timeline where, like, Trumpkin accidentally gets on the boat and they, like, fall off in the sweet waters and for some reason they have to fight to the death. Cool. You established you didn't want plot for these, so... Yeah, but <laughs> you have to establish what timeline we're yeah. talking about here. Like... I, I'm thinking, like, 10-year-old Lucy versus Trumpkin, uh, middle-aged. Okay. Trumpkin uh, has more experience in a fight at that point. Like, Lucy has memory of it, but she doesn't have the 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 skills necessary trained into her body anymore it's true she does have the little uh she's the cordial of healing cordial of healing so if she gets injured like you know it's going to take a lot to actually knock her out as long as she can get to that vial she can keep drinking from that and like coming back yeah so like i think i think she could she she could have more energy than trump can yeah. run him down like lucy might win in a war of attrition here where just like Trumpkin gets too tired to keep fighting possible or, um He'd, he'd have to basically take her out in one blow that prevented her from getting to the cordial. Yes, but... But in, in the environment here, do you think that's possible? Are they on a boat, or are they just loose in the water? I was going to say loose in the water. I'm establishing that like in the magical sweet waters of the east, they can both breathe underwater, so this isn't a thing we need to worry about. Um, 
I'm just <laughs> adding lore in here. Yep. You know, obviously. Um. It's, yeah, I, I mean, like, Trumpkin's whole thing is that he is an archer, and, like, I'm going to say, in any kind of water situation, a bow ain't really going to work that well. Uh, Lucy does have that dagger, which seems like a more effective weapon in an aquatic setting. Yeah, but he's stronger. Like, is she really going to mm. get a hit on him? Yeah. Hmm. That's a question. Do we ever establish how how tall Trumpkin actually is? Like, who has the he's better shorter reach? shorter than Lucy. So she has more reach here. Yeah. But he has more strength. Yeah. More combat experience. She has a cordial feeling. I don't know. That's, uh, I mean, I feel like in, in this environment, it's actually, it might be a pretty even fight. Yeah. And and that's why I think it but might. But is it a draw? Uh, I think it might come down to the, like, I don't know. Like, it, like I said, if Trumpkin can basically knock her out in one hit and she can't get to the cordial, then yeah. But if he can't, and she can keep healing herself, and she's going to wear him down. Um, also, we've established that Lucy is the Holy Spirit, so I don't know what uh, <laughs> what help that's going to give. I know she has a she has a certain pull with trees, which there are none out here. Correct. So, I don't know. She can call out to the trees. Uh, in awake, this, awake, awake. I mean, falling, in order, falling, falling. Yeah. In order to in order to move on in the brackets, I feel like we have to have a winner here. Yep. So, I'm I'm not gonna add anything else than what I've already added, <laughs> though, because I don't have a horse in this race. Well, no, the horse does come into this fight. He comes in later. Um, anyway, uh, I'm gonna say Lucy. I'm gonna say that uh, I I think she's gonna be able to wear him down. It's really close. It's a close fight, but Lucy pulls it out. I think just barely. Uh against Trumpkin here and she's and she's gonna move on. Okay. So our first official bracket, I'm gonna say, Lucy, please, listeners, if you have an issue with this, um <laughs> let me know if you have a if you want to weigh in on how this fight could have gone better or like a, if you have a very solid reason as to why I'm wrong in my decision here, uh I will retroactively change my answer if I'm persuaded <laughs> by the listenership. Because, so, because he has got so much integrity in his yes, draft. Yes, I have so much integrity in my draft. So, All right, so we have Lucy versus Trumpkin. Lucy v. Trumpkin. Lucy moves on. And Lucy moves on? Yes. Okay. If, if solely by the use of her magic items, which Trumpkin has none of. Round one. <laughs> Also, that's a really hard environment to start out in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was environment <laughs> number 10. So there we go. Uh, just join us next week for the next round of this, and uh, we'll see where this goes and who the ultimate champion of Narnia is. Indeed. And if you want to, as Chris said, tell him that he's wrong or tell him that he's right, you can do that at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of Lucy's magic cordial of healing, defeating Trumpkin, uh, at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, support us financially just because you feel like it at uh, patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast where you get nothing in return except for the knowledge that we appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that.
<laughs> What's that look you're giving me right now? That's that's me. <laughs> and wondering if I'm doing this right. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed chapter two of The Last Battle. Chris, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? No. No? We good? Yeah, I, I can go ahead and close this out yeah. now? All right. Um, join us next week as we discuss chapter three, The Ape in Its Glory. Whoa. And until then... Remember to dry your sword. That was what I was going to use. Um. Keep your gold chain from jangling. And if you don't have a hat, it's totally cool to tip your ear. Tip your ear. <laughs> we both reached up and flicked our own ears. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So this was environment, environment, environment number 10. Yeah. Spelling is hard. Shoot me some bants. Some some fat bants. I got got some sick bants for you, man. Do. Yeah. I'm a curious bowl bowl carver. I, I carve curious bowls. That's my character. I mean, you, you said you were, a, you were a beach dryad, so I'm just trying to sell you back the... The logs the, that you stole from me? Yes. Yeah? That you murdered me for? Yes. You ready? Y'all ready for this? It's not unusual for traitors to be there. It's so not if there's unusual. A... Sorry. Is this is this one of the living gems from uh, from Gnomeland? Before Runewit arrives, Jewel says um, that there's an airplane. Mm-hmm. Had some stuff in my lungs recently. Yeah. And there's a plane. That one's not in my lungs.